Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Time for Money and Me, where I take you on the road to financial freedom every weekday at 10.05 a.m. We're looking at retiring a millionaire. Where can you start? How much money would you really need? And what sort of a blueprint would help you on the road to retiring a millionaire? I'm thrilled to welcome to the studio Quan Li Li. She is an independent director at Capital and China Retail Trust. So when you tell people it is possible to retire a millionaire, what are some reactions you get, Lily? I think a typical reaction would be, can me? <laughs> and the next most common reaction is, Sure or not. <laughs> Very hard to save, lah. <laughs> I like that. Can me? Very hard to save, lah. Yeah, I think most of us think, wow, millions, you know, so many zeros. But if we really did want to retire with a million bucks in the bank, where do we start, Lily? I would say the basic thing is to start looking at your current financial position and then think about where you want to be in your retirement years. Do you want to be able to take a holiday whenever you feel like it? Do you want to be able to buy a nice bicycle for your granddaughter or son? You know, anything that you think you would want in retirement rather than have to worry about money. So that's the basic starting point. And then start by listing down all your monthly income and expenses. That's basically coming out with your own personal budget. And after that, you know, once you've listed down all your income and expenses, mm-hmm. review them. When I say review them, it means, you know, try and look for any areas where you can save. As a rule, you should try and differentiate between your needs and your wants. So to summarize, three simple steps. Mm-hmm. One, list down your income and expenses. Two, review them to identify savings and investment areas. And three, start to take action on those savings areas that you've identified. Okay, so it starts with awareness. Most people maybe just stumble through their lives, Mm. you know, spending imaginary money in their brains. Um, It starts with awareness Mm. and knowing the difference between what is a need and what is a want. And you can't get away from savings. So you can't start saving too early if you want to retire a millionaire. Exactly, Michelle. Mm. Yeah. The earlier you start, the longer time you have for the money to work for you. Basically, if you're young, you have, say, 30 years ahead, say you're 30 now, you have 30 years to make the money work for you. And you've heard of things like compound interest, right? Yes. Yes. For most people, they only learn about compound interest when they look at their credit card bills, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) Oh dear, but can you help us understand the rule of 72 and how it's going to help us on this road to becoming millionaires when we retire? Yeah, sure. Um, The rule of 72 is actually a really quick way for you to calculate how long it takes to double your money. So how exactly does it work? Let me give you an example. So suppose you have $1,000 now and you put that in a fixed deposit, earning an interest of 2% per annum. So the rule of 72 basically says you divide 72 by the annual rate of return from an investment. So in this particular case, 
you divide 72 by 2%, which is the interest that you will earn from your fixed deposit. So the rule of 72 will say it will take you 36 years to double your money for your, your 1,000 deposit to become 2,000 in 36 years. Okay, got it. So 72 divided by the annual rate of your return, return that's 0.02? That's 2% if 2%. you put in fixed deposit now. Okay, great. Yes. And that will lead to 36 years. It'll take 36 years for me to double. That's right. Okay, that's really useful to know, isn't it? Okay. So okay. let's compare that then mm-hmm. to taking the same 2000 that you have now and choosing an investment that gives you a higher return. For example, a real estate investment trust that pays 7.2%. So you take 72 again, applying the rule of 72, take 72 divided by 7.2% mm-hmm. that the REIT gives you per annum. Mm-hmm. And guess how long it takes to double your money? 10 years. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes, really achievable, (laughs) it seems, in a decade. Yes, that's right. So when it comes to picking investments, then Mm. this rule of 72 is really going to help people out, right? I think so. It, It just gives people a really easy, quick method to know how long it takes to double their money. Yeah. Um. You can also similarly apply the rule of 72 to know how long it takes for you to lose your money. Oh, (laughs) you have to give us an example. Okay, so say for example, if the inflation rate is 4%. Okay. And again, you know, you have $2,000 and you're like, it's too much hassle to put it in a bank or buy a stock. So you just stick it under your bed. So applying the rule of 72, you take 72 divided by 4, which is the inflation rate. Mm -hmm. In 18 years time, your 2000 is only worth 1000 Oh, sobering numbers there. I know. <laughs> Take your money out from under your bed is what I'm taking out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad at least one person understands the concept. <laughs> I definitely get it. You've got to save. So yep. you have to cut down the Starbucks. That's right. Definitely. Uh, do you want an example of how Starbucks work? Yes, please. <laughs> So, say on average, you have two cups of Starbucks a day, mm-hmm. and each cup costs you $7. So, a day, if you don't have the two Starbucks, and instead, you know, you just decide to save the money, you would have saved $14 a day, okay? Over 30 years, $14 will become $40,000. i am kidding you not, just do the maths. I'm doing the maths. $14 over 30 years, did you say? That's right. $14,000. $14 savings a day. Yes. For if you save years, that yep. and you consistently invest in a high-yielding investment ah, okay. and assuming you don't lose your money, yes. over 30 years, $14 a day becomes 40000 in your bank. What, what sort of yield return would I be Say 7%. For? 7%. Okay, yeah. great. Wow, I've just woken up completely, <laughs> I think. Those are great figures. Lily, when did you start thinking about planning your own retirement? It was actually really early. I didn't have much of a choice, you know, growing up in a fairly financially stretched family. Nine children. Nine children, yeah, the oldest of nine children, yeah. So it was about bread and butter from day one, basically. (laughs) (laughs) 
And you left for Sydney with 3,000? Uh, yeah, 3,000 sing. It was 8,000 ringgit. You're at 18 that time. at the time. I was 18. You have $8,000 in your pocket in Sydney to study. That's right. So yeah. you're always, you were always thinking about money um, and surviving. That's right. It's in my DNA. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see. And, and you've got a blog out and that blog is dollarsg.com and that's where people can get more tips, of course, on financial literacy. And we're, gra- we're just so grateful to have you here with us. Long-term investments. Do you think, we hear it all the time, you know, get into the market and stay in the market. Is that a guaranteed way to have a million in the bank? There's no guarantees we know, but is that, is that a sound path? Yeah, uh, Michelle, a lot of people actually say you should just buy and hold, but I'm not sure that that's actually sound advice, especially when market cycles are getting shorter and more volatile all the time. So I can give you an example of an investment that people thought they, sh- they could just buy and hold. For example, the high flux preference shares. And guess what happened? You take your eyes off the ball because you think it's buy and hold. And before you know it, the company's in trouble. Mm. Yeah. So I would say, you know, there's no getting away from constantly reviewing your investments and having your ear to the ground mm-hmm. and reading whatever's out there. I mean, there's no excuse, right? You can get news everywhere now. Yeah. On the radio, yeah. on TV. I think it's cutting through the signs. noise. You know, there's so much noise out there. Yeah. And conflicting information. Exactly. Yeah. So I would say um, generally, if you want to shortcut the process and not have to read 100 articles a day, uh, subscribe to a fairly reputable sort of site. You can just sign on and then just read the news from there. Or even if you just open a broker account. So I have a broker account with OCBC Securities. I'm not plugging them. Yes. Yeah. And they send me, you know, reports that summarizes all the analysts thoughts on companies that they cover. So that sort of cuts out the noise. Yeah. Yeah, you can just take the report. Of course, if you can subscribe to more than one report, great. DBS as well. Different perspectives. So DBS or any brokerage that you open should send you. Yeah. uh, Or you can just go to their website and read it for free. Mm. Mm. So you don't have to pay for a subscription because some of these sites Mm. charge a couple of hundred a month. Yeah. No, I'm a cheapo. I usually go for the cheap ones (laughs) or free ones. Love that. Are there pitfalls, do you think, that one can encounter in this quest to retire with a million bucks in the bank? Yeah, there there are certainly pitfalls and you have to be on top of it. You know, one of the most common mistakes is people buy an investment, for example, a stock, and then they just totally forget about it. And before they know it, the value's gone. So I would say if you're going to invest, set a cut-loss limit. What does that mean? That means like, you know, you set a price target. For example, if the stock falls 10% below what you paid for it, okay, don't get sentimental. Don't think it's going to come back. Just get rid of it once it hit that limit. Take the emotion out of it. That's Just right. set the limit at 10% for everything, do you think? 10 or 20 is really up to your, your preference. Risk, uh, preference. Risk appetite, yeah. yeah. Lily, can you share a little bit about investment reviews? Do you put a, li- a lot of Im- importance in them? You mentioned, you know, you, you sign up to a brokerage, you read what they send you. But then again, the kiasu among us can subscribe to just about every newsletter out there and yeah. then get thoroughly confused. So share with us the importance of investment reviews as you see it. 
So as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's really important for you not to take your eyes off the ball. But there are also similarly very good blogs out there, very good reports from a lot of brokerages, from banks, from Motley Fool, etc. Just choose the one that you're comfortable reading, the one that you understand and the one that you think have your back covered. A lot of the time, people are just trying to sell you things. But if you go for the more reputable analysts or banks or institution, you should generally be fine. Yeah, people are worried that, you know, they sign up and then they're yes. getting all this information just because they want you to buy their reads. That's right. Or their whatever it is that they're peddling. Yes. Mm, so maybe going with a bank is a good idea. Um you have to be aware that banks also a lot of the time push products mm. uh, because that's how people get paid, right? Mm -hmm. uh, through the commissions that they earn, through the spreads. Um, so if you buy, say, for example, a unit trust, you notice normally there is a spread which is normally around like, you know, 4 to 5% between the bid and offer price. That means the price at which you buy and at which you can sell that day. And this 4 to 5% is actually their commission. And every year on top of that, the banks and the asset manager gets a trailer fee. So whether your investment make money or not, they will take out that trailer fee. And wow. that's reflected in the buy and sell price. So I would say, you know, just be aware that you are not just being pushed into buying something that you don't want. Mm. Um, take a look at whoever's pushing the the product to you and look at their track record. That's great. You yeah. know, a lot of people want to be lazy investors. They want yeah. to get in and these days you go on YouTube and you see these things that you can sign up for, these companies saying a robo-investor is going to do all the work. <laughs> you just have to sign, you know, park your money here. We might do a show on that actually, a whole show looking at these robo-investors. But what do you think about just leaving it to the algorithm? I'm not sure. You've heard of, you know, like some big sort of investors like LTCM and all that that went into financial difficulty, actually, by just setting up algos to help them invest. I think the, the problem with algos is the rules are preset, and when certain market conditions present themselves, um, they will just sell, and if one sell, all the rest probably will follow as well, because they all pretty much have the same rules. Mm. So uh, it could have a cascading effect. I feel you can't totally rely on algo or robo-advices. It's also back to how good's the person who set the rules, you know. How, how good are they at investing? Do they have a good track record? Mm. Um, and also, is there a bug in the system or algo, which, right. you know, could be the case sometimes. Yeah. And then you don't realise it until something goes terribly wrong. Lily, do you have yeah. a real-life example we can end the show with of someone who's actually been able to be successful as an investor and retired a millionaire? Sure. I can give you two examples, yes, actually. Uh, both are ex-colleagues, both married with children and stay-at-home wives. Both started from like the same sort of family background and both worked in banks. So one diligently kept to his budget and financial plan and last year, he upgraded from a HDB in Pongo to a 2,002-square-foot penthouse in Pongo. And he's definitely retiring a millionaire. Wow. Yep. The other colleague, unfortunately, didn't see the need to budget. He overindulged his wife and children with branded gifts, expensive holidays and condo. And when his credit card was frozen by the banks, 
he turned to money lenders, where he was at that time charged 20% interest per annum. Gosh. He eventually declared bankruptcy and lost his job in the bank. Wow. So all I want to say is stick to your budget and plan for financial success. Yeah, see... Both at the same start, yep. both working in a bank, so nice paycheck there. Yep. And the difference is guy number one saved? He That's saved. right. Like in the pre-Google days, yeah. we used to go to him and ask him, what's the best investment in town? I what's wish the I had best a mortgage like rate? <laughs> <laughs> so he knew he was yeah, already yeah. in the game. Yeah, and he's been doing this for over 20 years. He's been investing. Yes. Oh, goodness. Okay, we need to get him on this show as well. Definitely. <laughs> Happy to introduce. <laughs> Wonderful. So here we are at the start of Your Money. Lily, thank you so much for being with us. And you're going to be back uh, with us next time as well, right? 29. Yes. We're going to talk about the importance of budgeting and we're going to help you start with a savings strategy. Kwan Lili is Independent Director, Capital and China Retail Trust. And your blog is dollarsg.com. That's right. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.